How's it going, folks? Welcome to another hour of Small Talks Big Ideas with Steve. I am your host, Steve Fletcher of this fine community-powered program. If you listen to the show before, you know it's all about shining a light on really cool, local, independent businesses right here, uh, headquartered in one of the eight counties of the low country of South Carolina. We bring in business owners, movers and shakers in the local business ecosystem, talk to them for an hour about what they've got going on, um, and we always learn a little something new every day. Uh, this program comes at you from a collaboration between Ohm Radio, I'm sitting in their studio right now, coming at you live, uh, and Low Country Local First, which is a local independent uh, economic development nonprofit based here in the Low Country. We've got 500 members, all of whom are local independent businesses, doing great things to uh, you know to 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 make the Low Country a really robust, interconnected, inclusive business environment. Um, Tons of, tons of different re- reasons you want to support local independent businesses. You can find out all those and more at lowcountrylocalfirst.org. But today, we're really excited because in the studio, we've got a gentleman by the name of Mike McCluskey. I know him as my future brother-in-law, but you will know him. Well, you can know him as that as well uh, if, you, if you're weird and you only <laughs> know people through random other uh, relationships. But you probably will start to know him now as the uh, owner and founder of of a really cool table-making company based in Cottageville, South Carolina called Griffith Acres Furniture. So we've got him in the studio. We're going to talk with him a little bit about, oh, you know, bench planes and glue-ups and all those other things. Is that, is that are those things? Glue-ups like, is a thing. Glue-ups is a thing. See, I bench checked out my... Bench planes is half one thing, half another thing. I checked. Well, but half maybe one, we can make that That's one the thing. story of my life, okay? You know, half one thing, half another thing. Uh, you know, I checked out a glossary very, very, in a very cursory manner, so I, I picked up a thing or two. I'm going to let the master, the maestro, the, uh, the woodworker himself give you all a little introduction as to who he is, what he does, and uh, how you can uh, find out a little bit more about Griffith Acres Furniture. But then we're going to jump deeply into, into his professional and personal journey and all that good stuff, the, the stuff that brings you out here to listen to these interviews. But Mike, tell the folks a little bit about who you are, what you do. Thank you, Steve. Um, I will try and be as eloquent as you are. I'm a carpenter. I spend most of my Impossible. time by myself in the shop, so I don't know if words are going to roll off my tongue quite as well as yours. But They're rolling off beautifully. Thank you. Um, so I founded Griffith Acres Furniture about a year ago. I've been doing it full-time since May. We are a custom table-making company headquartered in Cottageville, like you said, serving um, all of the low country. And we typically specialize in dining room tables, been branching out into conference room tables lately. Um, and their makeup is uh, wooden uh, hardwood tops and either cast iron or steel bases. Cool. Why tables? Um, lots of reasons. Because uh, you could presumably, I mean, you've been woodworking for a minute, right? You've developed this craft, this skill. Um, there's a lot of things that you could make, but you've sort of focused in specifically on one type of furniture. I'm curious as to why. So I got into the trades about four years ago and was a general laborer on construction sites. And quickly realized that if I wanted to be in the trades for the long term, I was going to need to find a niche that wasn't so detrimental to my body. Um, Being a general (laughs) laborer, a framer, anyone that works outside in the elements, on a ladder, swinging a hammer, um, is a great profession. I tried it. 
I liked it. Uh, a lot of respect to those people. Um, but I don't think it's conducive to long-term um, taking it easy on your body. Sure. So, taxing on the, the body, the mind, the joints. Incredibly taxing. Um, we're not talking furniture joints. We're talking... <laughs> human joints. Human being joints. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, so you're you're like, hey, what can I do that's a little bit more sustainable that isn't throwing me through the ringer every single day? I mean, I know I like this world, perhaps of you know artisanship or carpentry or making things with my hands, my body, but I don't want to be throwing myself you know through through the gauntlet every day. So I want to I want to presumably do what you're moving towards. So my first job that I had out indoors mm -hmm. in carpentry was in a cabinet shop, uh, okay. which I loved. Cool. Um, making the cabinets, making or? cabinets okay. from scratch, a lot of precision work, um, a lot of mental planning and making sure that you know your next step, um, zero room for error. Um, and I liked it a lot, but eventually just sort of became repetitive making boxes over and over. Sure. Um, and when I moved, not a lot of room for creativity, not a lot of room for creativity, a lot of room for error and mm. the error results in all of your profit, just totally gone. Got it. Whereas if I mess up a stain color or sanding on a table, I can simply resand it and start over. Sure. If you mess up a cabinet, that's, it's game over. You got to start over. Materials are expensive. Um, and you're working for somebody else at this point, right? I'm working for somebody else okay. at this point. I've been working in the trades for other people. Um, up until this last May. Got it. Yeah. So this last May comes and you're thinking, okay, time for a change. What does that look like? Time for a change. I was working at another cabinet shop um, in the low country and this was more so fixing cabinets in people's homes and having people watch you work in their home all day long is weird. Yeah. And yeah. you're fixing things. So presumably these people, people are already not the happiest, most delighted customers, right? Correct. And so now they're watching your every move as you um, take something that's broken and hopefully turn it into something that's working. Correct. Okay. Um, so Interesting experience. So originally you were designing, creating, installing the cabinets. Now you're fixing, restoring, making right cabinets that are broken for some reason. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you decided now, okay, I've had enough of cabinets. What about I start to take this thing on the road, do my own thing. What does that look like? So I had experience in tables from a job that I had in Durham, North Carolina, at, okay. a, at a company called Rustic Restorations. And North Carolina is sort of known through the ages for its original handcrafted furniture, right? It's a real like bastion for furniture making. Hasn't it been through the years? High Point, North Carolina High Point. has okay. been known as the furniture making capital of our country huh. since as early as you could remember. Um, okay. The Ikea wave sort of um, put a damper on that for a little while, but as the economy came back... Ikea being the IKEA, being the big multinational, correct. sort of like buy all the pieces in a box and you sort of push them together. A lot of particle board, that sort of thing, right? I think everyone has their own experience, own Ikea experience. with assembling Ikea furniture, right. most likely. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's rarely um, a happy story. Right, right. Um, so can be good in a pinch, but folks, if you're listening in, you're eager to learn about ways to benefit the 
interconnectedness of a more sustainable system, right? So we're learning about ways to support those local mom and pop shops, whether it's furniture makers or barber shops or landscaping services, rather than some of those big corporate faceless multinational behemoths, because there's a lot of good impacts and outcomes when you do that. So that's why we're talking with Mike McCluskey from uh, Griffith Acres Furniture. Anyway, cut you off, Mike, back to you starting up the business, right? After all these kind of false starts in the world, kind of the general world of carpentry, you've now decided, okay, like I'm going to do this thing myself. Yeah. So I had experience in tables from Rustic Restorations and I loved it. I worked in the finished shop. So that company created farmhouse tables and chairs from scratch. And we had a build shop and a finish shop. And the build shop would create the piece, uh, turn it over to us in its raw wood condition. And then we would paint it, stain it, and spray a clear coat on it based on the specifications of whatever that particular order was. Cool. So I had about a year and a half working with one of my best friends. Uh, his name's James Luff. In the finish shop, the two of us ran the shop. And up in Durham. Up in Durham. And uh, got quite the hands-on experience learning how to finish pieces, which is almost its own skill in itself within the furniture world. And finishing all different types or, or strictly tables and tabletops at this point? Um, tables, yeah. Okay. Almost exclusively tables. So you're falling in love with a niche uh, sort of you know application or a niche sort of project within a project, right? Like you, you specifically love, I mean, presumably you love a lot about table making. We'll get into that in a minute as you start up your own table making business and all that goes into that and why you decided to do that, what that looks like. But it's just, it's interesting to me. I mean, people, when they find their passion, it's usually very specific. And I love just sort of like the story around that, right? So you're, you're in a shop up in Durham and you sort of know you like working with your hands and you like, you know, woodworking. Um, and then you find kind of all of the, the specific really like, you know, uh, you know, small margin for error uh, jobs that go along with making tables. And you really gravitate towards like the finishing of it, right? The sanding of it, the applying the, the lacquers and the polishes that give it its luster and really bring it to life and expose that wood grain. I mean, that's like, that's really cool. Yeah. For someone that um, is not in the furniture world, it's a pretty accurate way of describing it. Let's yeah. take a few steps back. I know I'm jumping all around. I'm sorry. It's I don't okay. want to give you whiplash, but you mentioned someone not in the furniture world. That's right. Where do you come from, like professionally and personally speaking? So my professional background originally is commercial real estate. Wow. Okay. It's a big 180. A huge 180. I was an office leasing broker in Midtown Manhattan from 2012 to 2017. Wow. And I worked at a... Tell me about that. Yeah. Tell me about that experience. I worked at an awesome company called the Kaufman Organization on 7th Avenue. In the Up garment, in New York City. In New York City in the Garment District in okay. Manhattan. And that's really where I was thrown into the fire of... It's a commission-based business. And while, yes, you work for a company under a professional license and umbrella of somebody else, you're pretty much on your own. I had a lot of great guidance with the partners there. Hmm. Um, helping me figure out how to source business, qualify leads, um, market, advertising, all lessons that have translated into sure. starting up this business, which um, I don't know where I'd be right now starting this business without having that experience. Sure. You know, it's not just enough to create a beautiful product. You have to find some way to find relevant 
people in order to get the word out there and ultimately generate customers. And so you're from New York City. You're from New York originally. I'm from Long Island. Okay. Yep. Okay. Outside of New York City. All right. So you like troves of other individuals, myself included, uh, guilty as charged, have migrated down to warmer climes in pursuit of a different lifestyle. And everyone's got their own sort of story there. Um, but, but, but as we know, the, the low country has seen a huge explosion in development, economic development and otherwise, because of folks moving from other places, other metro centers, other states, other nations, uh, to come to Charleston. Perhaps they first learned about us on a vacation or a bachelor party or a bachelorette party, or they've got family that lives in the area or this kind of, you know, uh, explosion in the last couple of years uh, of, of folks moving due to the fact that they can sort of work from anywhere, right? There's this uh, increase in remote job opportunities. So people have come and they've gone to these like Zoom towns or boom towns uh, to be able to kind of work from, from wherever. You, though, you're from the Northeast. Uh, you've been working for a number of years as a commercial real estate um, broker or uh, yeah, office agent. Leasing agent. Office leasing agent. Um, and so what, what, what was the impetus for you to then move down here? Because I want to sort of trace how you ended up in Cottageville, South Carolina from New York City. I think that's an, uh, sort of an interesting evolution. Were you looking around one day at these office spaces you're leasing and thought, hey, man, they, these, these things could use better quality conference tables? <laughs> um, no, I think I fell in love with tables working at Rustic. Rustic Restorations and okay, Durham, and that's that's back in Durham. That's back in so Durham. So what what decided? What, how did you move down to the South? So and I, why? I decided to leave New York. I just uh, was getting restless. A commission based lifestyle, even though I was fairly good at it, was incredibly stressful, sure. uh, anxiety inducing, um, and just realized that it probably wasn't a long term uh, option for me. Um, I had a cousin out in San Diego who had been asking me to come spend time with her and her three little kids out there and i took her up on it one day and i was still planning on finding work in commercial real estate when i moved there and was working for a contractor part-time while mm -hmm. i interviewed and as i did that i was sort of looking on instagram after work just at other people doing similar things so that I would know what the names of tools were, that I would know what someone was talking about when they asked me to grab a certain thing because I had no idea what I was doing. Right. And it was embarrassing. <laughs> um, but everybody starts, right? Everybody's yeah. got to start somewhere. And in my search, I found a local cabinet maker in San Diego and his work was incredible. And I sent him a DM just on a whim. He had a ton of followers, never thought he would see it and said, are you hiring by any chance? And uh, he said, yeah, come in for an interview tomorrow. Wow. So I went to the cabinet shop and pretty much hung up my real estate suit right then and there. The rest is history. Yeah. Bought a big old Ford truck. <laughs> my, my first truck was the tiny <laughs> little You drove Chevy, up in a yes. diesel truck. So just for folks out there, this is, you know, the format is radio. So uh, granted, you cannot see what I'm seeing, but the uh, no doubt suited up. Uh, commercial leaser from New York City has made a full transformation to, you know, Cottageville, South Carolina, you know, salt of the earth, making tables as his profession. Uh, you know, I'm looking at I'm looking at the boots. I'm looking at the acid wash jeans. I'm looking at the Ford hat. He pulled up in a very loud. I've been in it. It's uh, 
you know, it's a, it's a, there's a charm to it. Uh, you know, it's not as comfortable as, as, as a, as a town car, but there's certainly a story behind it. Pulled up in like a loud rumbling diesel army tank of a vehicle. Thank you. Um, and that's what you bring your tables around in, right? That's our delivery vehicle. It's got a big bed in the back. It's got an eight foot bed. Um, it's a four door truck. So typically I can put my bases in the back seat and my tops in the bed. Base of the table, top of the table. Correct. Okay, so let's fast forward again. You're now thinking to yourself, it's time to do my own thing, right? That entrepreneurial spirit is aflame in your soul, and you've decided, I've picked up some tricks and tools along the road from San Diego and from Durham, uh, you know, the, the state of, you know, the capital of, of furniture making in many regards. It's time for me to do my own thing, and I want to do it here in South Carolina, Um Talk, walk me through sort of that evolution, that journey. So that's a scary decision to make and uh, was made possible by my partner, Lainey, who basically said, uh, you know, clock is ticking. It's, it's <laughs> kind of now or never right. if you La- want to go out on your own. And Lainey Watkins, my sister-in-law, by the way, yes. um, married, uh, married to her sister, Michaela, we're just doing shout outs today. It's a family show uh, on, on Small Talks Big Ideas with Steve. Sorry, I digress, Mike. So Lainey basically encouraged me to go out on my own, offered to hold down the fort financially for a little while while I figured things out and uh, wouldn't have been able to go out on this venture without that sort of support. Um, and once I made the decision to take her up on the offer basically, um, I then started incorporating all the lessons I learned at Kaufman in my real estate career in New York and applying them here. And instead of taking the subway and sneaking past a doorman and knocking on an office door, I was getting in my truck and just driving door to door to any interior designer, architect, real estate agent that I could find in the low country, um, and starting the process there. Having that, the, the entrepreneurial journey is so daunting and it's a huge risk. It can be scary for a lot of people and for good reason, right? I mean, I don't have the stats in front of me, but it, to a large degree, there is luck and it's a gamble. It doesn't matter how many people who are cheering your name or how many ducks you think you have in a row, you could give it your best effort, the old college try and things still fall through, right? So being able to take that first step and say, I'm going to create something of my own I'm going to start a business. I'm going to start a company. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. It's really tough. It's super tough to do it alone. And so, you know, almost every successful entrepreneurial story starts with someone who was supported by someone else or a group of people in some way, whether it's, uh, you know, resources or programs or, you know, uh, municipal initiatives that help entrepreneurs get them connected to the capital or the expertise they need, or it's a partner. Like in your case, Lainey was super supportive and was like, okay, we've got, you know, X, Y, and Z coming in as an income. Like this is going to, there's going to be some, some startup costs involved here, but let's give it a shot and see what happens. And you were able to have that latitude and that support, um, which is, which is incredibly, you know, fortunate and something that unfortunately not everybody has. Um, 
Uh, and that's why at Low Country Local First, we run a number of programs like the Good Enterprises program to try to connect people in with those resources and that capital and that sort of stuff that gives them that extra push and an extra safety net to feel like they can go ahead and start their own business and see how that happens uh, and see what comes of it and, and see whether they're able to establish these pathways for generational wealth building, which is such an important piece of the entrepreneurial phenomenon. Um, so that's awesome. You, uh, you, you able to, you're able to kind of slowly but surely build this thing called Griffith Acres Furniture. And I've seen you in action. Um, if you don't know Mike, he is a tenacious dude. I mean, he is extremely persistent. I don't think I knew that when I first met you. You were dating Lanny. I was like, he's a cool guy. You know, he's, he's, uh, he's got a very loud truck and he's, uh, he makes, cracks a few jokes and he, you know, he's an endearing individual, but I don't think I realized like when you put that business hat on, you're in many ways right back into like, you know, tapping into that New York City ethos. Like I'm going to follow up until this person either gives up and gives me this deal or, you know, just comes to Jesus. I mean, you have a way of, of getting people on board. Tell me about why persistence is such a big part of your story and how that plays out with how you negotiate and, and, and build your business. I think that just identifying potential customers, potential players in the market, getting in touch with the right people, getting, you know, getting on the phone with them, emailing them. That's, I mean, it's a great start, but it's not going to get you anywhere right, right. where you generate business in my experience is from absolutely harassing them. Um, <laughs> right. And, and you have to walk a fine line between being persistent sure. and annoying. And right, sometimes sure. you have to teeter over to the annoying side um, if you want to get things done. But I would say that from deals that I've closed so far, I'm on my sixth or seventh or eighth point of contact without them responding at all any yeah. of the other times before I get a, okay, this sounds interesting. Can I have some more details? Yeah. yeah. Let's dial in there for a minute. Right. So, uh, you know, it's like, it occurs to me, having spoke with you, many other entrepreneurs, nascent stage business owners, you know, you've got to have some serious gall and some really thick skin when you own your own business, particularly when you're in those early stages, because 90% of what you're surrounding yourself in is failure. Is no is no. When I lived in New York and I was first starting my commercial real estate business journey, I would say out of a hundred doors I knocked on or people I talked to, maybe, maybe one would say, okay, maybe I'm interested. And I remember being out at the bar with my friends and asking a girl if she wanted to go out with me. And she said, yes. And I said, okay, no hard feelings. Don't worry <laughs> right. about it because right. I heard no, You've because that's all notes. I heard all day long. Um, and so it is, it is, yeah, it's definitely difficult, but once you get over the feeling of being rejected constantly <laughs> right. and it gets easier. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so it, it, it's hard work, right? The kind of the marketing, the building, the business operations component of it all. I mean, making tables and doing the actual thing, whether it's, you know, pouring candles or, uh, you know, curating a boutique or cobbling shoes, right? Doing it locally, doing it as a mom and pop shop, you know, running the whole thing from A to Z soup to nuts is tough. Um, 
But the marketing piece is almost like its own beast, right? And if you're a small operation, you've got to be thinking about building out, whether it's formal or informal, a communications plan, a marketing strategy. Like there's elements, you may not call it PR, but there's elements of PR. It's like trying to get yourself into every media outlet you can get yourself into. It's creating social media pages. Um, you know, we talk to business owners all the time. We're like, I just don't have the time to make a website. I don't yet have the money to pay someone to create a website. You know, how am I going to start a digital presence? Like for you, how do you divide up your time? Because it's, it's basically just you right now at Griffith Acres Furniture, right? I know there's a number of folks who help you move tables. And I know Laney's kind of a big piece of, of the pie when you're sort of envisioning tables or getting connections to folks or even building the table. She's my quality control. Quality control. Yeah. There you go. For I don't sure. even know. So is that on her LinkedIn? Should be. It should be. It should definitely be. <laughs> so, but talk to me about that. So you're like, how are you, where do you find the where do you find the, uh, you know, the, the, the endurance, the perseverance and the mind space to be able to not just make the tables, but then also to be marketing them and give us a few specific stories of like that persistence. Cause I've seen it. I've seen you, <laughs> seen you tracking down folks on Instagram. You don't have to put out names there, but sure. just for those folks out there who are listening, right? Cause there's tons of independent business owners, especially early stage business owners who do listen to this program and call in and email me and say, that was really interesting. Can I get connected to X, Y, and Z? I want to learn more about how they tackled that. I think a lot of folks out here, they get, um, you know, they, they, they get, they get a little bit jaded or a little bit cynical about that early stage. And it's like, man, I just can't seem to break through. So give us some of your tips and tricks from the foxhole. Like how are you able to break through and make that deal happen? Cause a lot of what you do, right. Is making a table or finding someone who wants a table and then being able to transact, right. Getting that table into the conference room or finding some home that needs a big, beautiful $10,000 dining room table custom made, and then getting it into that home. Like how do you make those deals happen? Talk to me about the marketing side of what you do. So, I would say without naming names, there's one example that sort of sticks out to me um, in terms of just being persistent. Sure. Um, there was a furniture store in Charleston that I wanted to do business with. I just, I thought their store was beautiful and it seemed like they were sort of like the pinnacle of where if you're an upcoming furniture maker, you would want sure. your product. Like an interior design company. Correct. Or local. Um, and so I went to their store in person and I dropped off a business card and I introduced myself and I said, this is what I do. Um, I gave them the rundown about our tables and, um, left my card and didn't hear anything. So I went back and you had cards printed out at this point. I had, right? business cards. Okay. Yeah. I had built a table. Um, you had a logo and a name had and a logo. your contact info. I had built a beautiful walnut table. And so I could have photos of something that I was proud of. And Got I it. put it on the back of my business card. Okay. So I go back a second time and I get sort of the same, sure, we'll, we'll pass on your information. And this time I was able to get an email address of somebody that works there. So I send them an email and an email and an email and another email. And about five or six emails later, <laughs> they write back. Is saying, anyone in no responses yet? None. Okay. And they write back maybe on number six or seven yeah. saying. So you've now sent like five emails. There's no response. No. But you're like, I'm going to send a six email. You have to. Right. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So you send that sixth email. Thank God, because. And someone writes me back and they yeah. say, thank you for following up. We'll pass our information along to our owner. Don't hold your breath. And so that, that wasn't going to work for me. <laughs> um, so I 
did my research. I looked up the company name. I found out who the owners were. I found out their names, their email addresses, their Instagram handles, and started messaging them on their personal, and I'm not condoning this, but... <laughs> this is just your story. Yeah, you have take to, from it what you, you will. You have to believe that what you're, what you're making or your product is superior yes. and incredible in order to have the confidence to do this. Yeah. And, and if you don't believe that, I mean, if you don't believe and it, who am I to judge, but what are you, you know, what are you really doing? Like, I think everyone has that, right? They should sort of, and I don't want to proselytize, but life, I feel, I feel like at least just speaking from my limited perspective is a little richer when you found that thing that you think you do as good or better than anybody else, right? It could be a business or it could be art or it could be music or it could be public speaking or it could be janitorial, like some sort of innovative way that you're like doing eco-friendly, sustainable janitorial service, whatever the case may be, doesn't there's something out there for everybody, right? I don't want to sound too, you know, I Pollyanna so. about it, but there's something out there for everybody. So you you feel like you found your thing in table making and you're like, doggone it, I'm going to get this into this person's hands just so they can look at it, feel it, see my craft because I think that I do it as good or better than anybody else and it belongs here, right? So you're not taking no for an answer. So walk us through it. Someone says, finally, after six emails, listen, uh, dude, you've been harassing us with these emails. Like, what are you, you've been around in business for a few months. I get it. You make a nice table. I've seen some photos, but like, cool it. Like, we've got... We've got brands and furniture in our store that have been around for decades, presumably, right? Correct. They've got that brand recognition, but you're like, I know I'm a, I know I'm a new upstart, but I belong in this store. I at least belong in your Rolodex. So you don't take no for an answer. She says, hold on, or he says, hold on a second. And then you, what? You retool and you, you, follow, you, you look up information. You're finding out kind of the personal LinkedIn pages, Facebook pages, because you want to make a connection with these people, right? You're not trying to harass them. You just want to make a connection and let them see your craft and hopefully it speaks for itself. So how do you eventually make contact with the decision makers? There? So once I received that, thanks, but chill out, I had realized I had reached as high as I could go on the conventional way of getting to where I wanted to go. Got it. And that was a dead end. So then I started thinking of non-conventional ways to get my name out there and started, you know, personally messaging the owner of the store and which is something social media lets us do now, right? Like correct. take advantage of it. Correct. So, you know, seven, eight, nine messages. I made this. Do you like this? Look at this. Check this out. Of yeah. Nothing. Sure. You know, months later, I get a phone call saying, hey, we have a client with a specific need that suits what you do. Please send us a quote. Awesome. And that's almost a year in. Are there some... That's incredible. I mean, it's a, it's a testament to you know, not taking no for an answer and being persistent. Are there some uh, deals or customers, uh, you know, do you have some interesting stories about having worked with local independent businesses or companies or people that you'd be willing to share? I mean, sure. Um, so that uh, quote from the mm -hmm. story I was telling you about is for a local business. It's a law firm um, in Charleston. Cool. And they had a need for conference room tables. They're opening up an additional office and, um, the interior designer that I had been in touch with is doing their entire office and is going to sub us out um, cool. for the tables. So I've sort of branched out now from just doing dining room tables into conference room tables as well. Okay. Let's take a quick U-turn. 
tables again. Why, why tables? And I know I'm, I'm jumping back again, but it's occurring to me we didn't really like triple click on that answer. Like, tell me what's so special about tables for you. When I worked at Rustic Restorations in Durham and we would do our big pushes for Thanksgiving and Christmas and we were working crazy hours and doing a ton of deliveries right before the holidays, it really sorts of sorts to dawn on you that what you're doing isn't just waking up and going to work and making something and clocking out. It's you're, you're creating something for families to be able to gather around, you know, in, in these, mm. in these cases, oftentimes it was grandparents that had kids and grandkids and they're looking for a fun, exciting excuse to have everyone over to their house and look at this awesome table that I just got. And everyone's all excited about it. And it brings, families together for the holidays um love that and that was that was really cool it was that family it's component yeah. it's bringing people together it's the tables the nucleus of the home that's in the nucleus of the dining room it's that connective tissue for families to share stories share food over yeah and i think that's something that's been lost lately hmm. in our generation maybe the generation before um of Families making a point to have dinner together, talk about their day, what's going on with everyone. And I think it's, you know, no, of nobody's fault, but just the world we live in, how fast paced everything is, you know, online. And uh, it's sort of something that's been losing its, you know, its luster a little bit. Cool. And I think that by making, you know, beautiful tables one table at a time, it might, you know, in some small way sort of bring that tradition back a little bit love it folks if you're just tuning in this is uh steve fletcher your host of small talks big ideas with steve if you know anything about me and my shows you know i narcissistically like to sneak in the old name into the title um i also bring you steve's new music guide there is a steve's house on the program but i cannot lay claim to that fantastic show here on home radio that is a different steve so steve's are just taking over the airwaves if you're turning on your radio, I think there's a, you know, I'm not a statistician, maybe 14% chance that someone named Steve is bringing you that info or those tunes. In any case, thank you for tuning in. We've got a lot more conversation with Mike McCluskey of Griffith Acres Furniture just ahead. But I want to make sure that you all know a little bit about Ohm Radio and Low Country Local First. Ohm Radio is where we're bringing you this and many other fantastic programs. They are a phenomenal community-powered, community-centric, commercial-free radio station based right here on sunny Meeting Street on the peninsula in downtown Charleston. Uh, Zandrina Dunning, who's got her own uh, phenomenal, I mean, her resume and portfolio in terms of the creative pursuits, entrepreneurial endeavors she has spearheaded is too long for me to, to count, but I'll just tell you that she is uh, running the sound on the board today. We appreciate that. Um, and she's also got a phenomenal show called The Zandrina Dunning Experience here on OM 96.3. I highly recommend you check that out. Uh, and I come to you from Low Country Local First. We're a nonprofit based right here in the Low Country of South Carolina, local economic development nonprofit. We highlight local independent businesses that we encourage you as local citizens to go support because it raises the tax base, it creates meaningful jobs. And it interconnects our city in a really important way that creates a vibrant, unique Charleston. It's not an Anywhereville, USA. And a lot of that is because of the connecting we do between local independent businesses. Come check us out at a local social or the Good Business something, uh, something, Summit. We've always got something going on. You can learn more about LLF at lowcountrylocalfirst.org. Would love to chat with you. Um, again, I'm Steve Fletcher. we got Mike McCluskey in the studio uh, 
telling us a little bit about a world that I'm not super familiar with. I'm not good with my hands. I do know local independent business and I know he runs one, but I don't know the first thing about tables. I barely know which way is up on a table, but this guy's making beautiful tables. I've seen them with my own two eyes. Mike, walk us through the process and how it's local. How are you tied to the local environment? Um, I, I literally mean that environmentally, but I also mean that business-wise and socially. From the beginning where you're looking at an empty room to the moment where there's now a handcrafted table sitting there. Like, what is each and every step that makes that table come to fruition? And be specific with, like, the sort of relationships and connections you have to folks in Cottageville and around Cottageville. So, I would say, well, first of all, I have two local businesses that I work with. Um, to get these tables done. Oh, right on. Number one is my Sawyer, um, Tom and Marty at Custom Wood. Tom Sawyer works for you. <laughs> His name is Tom Tim. <laughs> okay. Tom Tim. Fantastic. So a Sawyer is someone who a Sawyer is, saws wood. Is someone who saws, Sawyer. Is, is saws wood. It gets it. Wow. You know, my get, mind is being blown. Gets it from its state as a tree. Okay. To lumber that's usable or at least at least in a, in a rough form you're able to visualize and think about how you would start crafting okay. a tabletop um so there's tom and marty at custom wood crafter on dorchester um in my experience have the best quality hardwoods in the state well wow. um are really amazing guys and have been super helpful um with their knowledge and helping me out with uh, figuring out you know, what tools to use, what finishes to use nice. and how to configure boards together. Things that I didn't even think about when I first started this business. Cool. Um, and the second business is called Chris customs. Chris O'Malley, um, is a welder fabricator out of North Charleston. Um, they mostly do, uh, heavy machinery fixing, uh, roll cages for cars, um, trailer, trailer fixes and fabrication, stuff like that. But he reached out to me on Facebook, uh, about a year ago and sent me some photos of some table bases that he had made hmm. in his free time and said, if you are interested in having someone local do your bases, let me know. And, and these are like cast iron or like steel, like these bases are, are metal, right? He does my metal work. And then I'm okay. meeting with Robert Thomas, iron designs, who's also a local business, um, hopefully soon uh they specialize in in cast iron so that's a whole other trade um so if someone were to want a cast iron base i would hire them Got if it. someone wants steel i'd hire chris um and originally i was buying these bases online because i'm new to, i was new to the area i didn't know anyone sure. here and just in an effort to keep everything local um when chris reached out to me i 100 percent took him up on it um and it's also nice because Instead of trying to get in touch with a customer service representative in another country on sure. the phone, takes days, you know, I just, I text him a photo with updated drawings and he texts me back a thumbs up emoji and that's it. It's <laughs> right. great. Right. Yeah. This is one of the many benefits of doing, you know, B2B, making those B2B connections with other local independent, locally headquartered businesses whose leadership presumably is raising families here and, 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 and you know, has neighbors here and wants to, you know, wants to build credibility for themselves. And, you know, sort of if they create a bad product or give a bad service, um, you know, there's nowhere for them to hide. They're part of this community, right? Yeah. So it, it's important to... And I find this time and again, 
business owners really take pride in their craft and their service. And so it's one of the benefits of doing business with them. If you need to source from a lo- from a vendor, it might as well be local for some of the reasons you're talking about. Also, oftentimes, and I'm sure this translates into other fields, but there are certain things that I can't find online. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's something that's close, but it's the wrong size. It's the wrong color. It's the wrong material. So having someone local that's custom making everything for me, you know, if a customer says, I like this base, but can you shrink it in two inches? Yeah. That's not an option that you can click on on the website that I was previously buying it from. You know? <laughs> right. So you're doing everything custom, right? Everything. So typically someone's saying, I want, I mean, what are like the things they're asking for? If there's someone out there, a local business owner who wants to do business with a local business, right? They need a new conference room table. What are the sorts of things they can bring to you in terms of their preferences or specifications? So first thing I would say is how many people are you trying to be able to fit? Okay. At this table. Sure. And if you can give me a rough ballpark, then I can sort of see what lumber might work. Um, right. Cause I'm not right. I'm business owner. A, I don't know how long the table should be. Right. I only right. know we've got like 11 people on our staff. So can we fit 11 plus maybe three come to visit us around our table? But you'll know based on how many bodies need to be around a table comfortably, how long and wide that table should be. That's why I try not to ask people for size. If right. they are specific <laughs> right. about size because they have an oddly shaped room right. and I'm all ears and space. I can make something down to the eighth of an inch size wise. But I think it's easier for people to think about how many people they want to sit there. Got it. And then I can sort of give a recommendation Got it. and a size range. And then are they picking colors or tints or stains or table leg type? I would say most people know whether or not they want a light or a dark table. Okay. And based on that preference, I can recommend what type of wood would work best. Okay. So walnut is a very dark wood um, and maple is on the lighter side. And those are the two I like to work with. Okay. Um, and do you do bar tops and restaurant tables as well? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. We Very can. Cool. We haven't yet. I hear there's a restaurant or two in Charleston. There are maybe four. That yeah, I've four seen. or five. I, it was, yeah, it's doubled then. Yeah, so, I mean, that's an incredible industry as well for you, presumably, to, to tap into. Yeah. And you're making residential, you've got residential customers as well, right? I would say most of the tables that we've made so far okay. are for someone's home. Dining room table. For their dining room table. So the name is Griffith Acres Furniture, right? So I can't help but ask. I don't even know if I've asked this off mic with you before. Um, is there Are there dreams, plans, visions of creating more than just tables sometime in the future? Or for now, you're happy like focusing on perfecting your craft of table making? I think that for now, tables are going to be what we specialize in. It's what I know yeah. and I'm good at. And you might say you'll... And enjoy you might say you'll table the other stuff oh, for now. I was waiting for how long it was going to take. <laughs> I was trying to, I was actually happen. racking my brain. I was like, I just said the word Mike, but I was referring to microphone, but I'm speaking with Michael. Is there something I can do? There's a way. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll stop, but half I'm of my brain will be devoted to it for the remainder of this talk. No, I'm fully here. Um, if you're tuning in at small talks, big ideas with Steve, we've got at least 15 minutes to regale you with stories from Mike's workshop. That's not the name of a new show. No, that's just an interlude into the final quarter of my interview with Mike McCluskey, Griffith Acres Furniture business owner and woodworker extraordinaire. He has metamorphosed from a New York City rat race racer uh, to what I can only describe as um, a country fried uh, woodworker who uh, knows his way around a wood shop and makes a heck of a table. I almost said H-E-Double Hockey 6, but this is a family program. Uh, 
and he's also part of our local business ecosystem, which is what Low Country Local First is all about. Uh, Mike, tell us what's next for Griffith Acres Furniture. I mean, where are you as you kind of determine what the next few years holds? Are you going to grow? I mean, I know a lot of our business owners, a lot of folks who are running their own entrepreneurial machine are thinking sometimes about growth, but also they want it to be sustainable. Sometimes they want to employ, you know, family members or neighbors, but other times it's like, this is just working for me. I know what I need to hit in terms of like my cash flow projections and I want to stick to my executive summary and make sure like I'm not, you know, growing larger than what can be sustained comfortably. I mean, have you thought about some of that stuff? I know you're only in your first year or two of business, but I'd imagine you're beginning to determine what the future might hold in terms of growth or not growth. I would definitely like to grow the business. For now, it's just me working full time. Um, I have a workshop uh, on our property at home. Um, And I have one part time helper. His name is Wyatt. He's local who helps me with my deliveries. And if I do grow the business, I would like for it to stay in Cottageville. The name of the business is Griffith Acres Furniture because Mm -hmm. the name of the street we live on is Griffith Acres Drive. Um, It is a small town with a lot of people that have lived there their whole lives and their parents and grandparents and great-grandparents, which is why I sort of wanted as an outsider to pay respect to where I'm living by naming the business that. Sure. and so how many folks live in uh cottageville there are less than 800 of us oh wow um it's a i love it there um it's a great quiet little town and uh everyone there has been nothing but fantastic to live with and work with um so absolutely no complaints and i think if we were to grow the business i would try and do it in that area create jobs for people that live in cottageville cool um there are a few properties uh, on Griffith Acres Drive that I have my eye on, um, and if one day they become available, I think they would be great to expand out into. For now, my shop works great for what I'm doing. We have enough room on our property to add maybe another building if I need it. Um, but yeah, so in the short term, maybe we just love have it. a little bit of a wait list. Yeah, um, not a bad thing. Long term, yeah, I'd love to expand on our street. Speaking of Cottageville, you and it's a, it is a very you know bucolic, um, peaceful you know little town uh, out in probably about forty five minutes to sixty minutes from where we're sitting here at the Ohm Radio Studios. Um, when you're out and about, and it may be in Cottageville, or maybe it's when you're visiting uh, you know my sister in law and, and mother in law on James Island or in Park Circle, uh, and you're kind of more in the Charleston area proper. What sorts of businesses, restaurants, boutique shops do you, have you found yourself patronizing? I know you've only been in Charleston coming from Durham um, and originally New York, uh, you know, for a few years now. But I'd imagine there are some businesses that you're starting to like and you're starting to, you know, head into when when the uh, occasion arises. Would you mind talking about some of those? Because at LLF, we're all about supporting those local independent businesses. Sure. So um, in Cottageville. Uh, we have a restaurant. It's called uh, The Red Brick. Um, it opened up right around when we lived there, so we'll go there when we can. Um, great little local restaurant. Right when you moved to Cottageville a couple years ago now, uh, they opened y- up. year and a half. year and a half ago? Yeah. So Red Brick opened up. Good restaurant. Great restaurant. Gets the mic, the mic endorsement. Gets the mic endorsement. Um, has a little uh, beer garden. They play live okay. music. Does that beer garden need tables? 
I don't think so. Okay. I think they're, I okay. think they're set. Y- and you would know, cause I mean, I you've probably def- sent them 372 emails. 374 Four, okay. emails. Well, yeah. the, the 375th could be the one. It is. Okay. But you've, you've determined that well for now, at least is dry, but the great restaurant, good beer garden, um, and headed back towards the, uh, this, this way. Uh, what do you, I mean, do you go into local coffee shops? Do you check out record stores? Do you go to bookstores? Do you, what do you, what do you like? Is there a restaurant or a business around here, brick there's, and mortar that you check out when you're in town? A great restaurant in Somerville that we've been going to a new Italian place called Laura. Uh, cool. Um, yeah. Fantastic Italian yep. food. And that's saying a lot considering I lived in New York for so long. Sure. What um, do you get when you're at Laura? Um, a little bit of, uh, a little bit of everything. They have this, uh, spicy chili sauce that we put oh, all over nice. everything um great salad pepperoni yeah pizza pasta sweet yeah i love it um you go there with laney yeah okay laney watkins is uh his bride to be mike uh give him a big congratulations if you're uh you know out there listening in make sure to applause if you're if you're driving, uh, keep one hand on the wheel. But Mike McCluskey over here, uh, my future brother-in-law, get married to Laney this weekend. So we're super stoked Saturday. to welcome him into the family. Um, I told them I would shun him until he started his own local independent business as the director of economic development at Low Country Local First. Uh, no, just kidding. It will work. Love you either way. Um, that's big news. So he's got a busy week. He's getting ready to get married, but he's also, you're probably doing table deliveries and putting the last coat of lacquer on a tabletop and coordinating with cast iron leg people. I mean, like what's going on this week? So we spray polyurethane, not lacquer, but you have done your homework. Who uses lacquer? People use lacquer. Ben Stiller and uh, Meet the Parents. Maybe. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, polyurethane. We use polyurethane. It's super durable. It's what I was trained to use okay. um, and just for something like a countertop or bar top or a table or a conference table it's going to take abuse every day year after year polyurethane is is super thick and durable so i put about four coats on you doing some of that this week or are you making drop-offs we have a delivery uh tomorrow for a countertop cool um at cheryl mckay's house Lanny's mom. It's going to be my one and only countertop. So anyone listening that wants countertops, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> That's a strictly a friends and family strictly offering. And family. You if won't you, find that on the website. If you want one, we'll, we'll talk. About okay. It. Let's get that in writing. Well, we've recorded it. So yes. that's, that's good enough for me. Fair enough. Um, so you're strictly tables for the time being custom tables. Where can people find out more about Griffith acres? They're listening in They're uh, you know, they living at home. They're looking at their dining room table. They want a brand new locally sourced, sustainably sourced table from a local business owner, or they're a business owner and they're thinking I need new conference tables or I need a new bar top. And I don't want to call someone a thousand miles away uh, to create a huge carbon footprint to haul over a table that then when there's dings and nicks in, and I'm not going to be able to get them to repair anyway, they want to do it right the first time and get in touch with you. Where do they find out more about Griffith Acres? So on our website, griffithacresfurniture.com. Okay. Um, or our Instagram, griffith.acres.furniture. Um, Website's got email and phone number, Instagram. You can send us a DM, any pictures that you have seen of other things that you might be looking at for inspiration. Uh, we're all ears, all eyes um, to look at. Uh, yeah, either of those ways. Okay. Are probably the email way. is what? It's griffithacresfurniture at gmail.com. Okay. Yeah. G-R-I-F-F-I-T-H. Just shoot you a message like, hey, Mike, I uh, heard you on the program and I want to talk about a potential table. Yeah, 100%. Very cool. Um, I'm going to be a little bit busy for the next couple of weeks, but uh, once November rolls around, 
uh, we'll be able to get some orders solidified. Very cool. Interested. Very cool. Um, for folks out there listening in who, you know, again, are running their own business, it may not be making tables, but it may be an early stage business or an aspiring entrepreneur. Uh, many of those folks uh, circulate in our orbit at LLF. And they're thinking to themselves like, you know, I, I want to, I want to be able to get over that first initial hump, but I just don't know what I should do. Like we talked a little bit about persistence and endurance and, um, you know, making sure that you are in it for the long run and, and hopefully you've had a little bit of luck on your side as well. And the cosmos has aligned and you've been given a little bit of latitude and support. Uh, but, but like, is there any other sort of like everybody these days wants some sort of hack, right? Like, I want to figure this thing out, but I need to do it in like a, in some way where I just plug one extra thing in and suddenly it's all making sense and everything is dandy. Is there something else out there like in your metaphorical tool belt that you could offer to an aspiring business owner? Like focus on this. If you you can't, you don't quite feel like you're making it like do a little bit more of that. Like whether it's a website or marketing or communications or you know, profit and loss statements and cash flow and like financial projections. Like, is there anything out there in your arsenal that you'd want to share with an early stage business owner? For sure. I would say that it's really not enough or a good use of your time to just sort of be throwing out a huge net of trying to get in touch with as many people as possible. You should really look at what your business is, who your potential customers could be, get really specific about your best chances for someone to respond and just be as relevant as possible. So for me, it was real estate agents, interior designers, architects, anyone that's going to be around a business or a homeowner that's thinking about this. So you just hmm. need to find what's relevant for you and get in touch with those people. And then from there, once you establish who you think the best people to talk to are, keep detailed notes get email addresses, get phone numbers, put it in an Excel spreadsheet, keep it organized. Because if you go around and knock on doors, even if they are the relevant doors and you walk out of that business without a way to contact them, without an email or a phone number, then it's, it's pretty much as if you were never there. Hmm. What's the scariest thing that's happened to you as an entrepreneur and how'd you overcome it? Um, when I was in commercial real estate, I was thrown out of buildings by security multiple times. If you walk into a handful of buildings in Midtown, there's my Polaroid still behind the security oh, desk. Um, I hope you weren't uh, breaching uh, local statutes. Well, and so this was just <laughs> legally, it's called trespassing. In the business, we called it canvassing. Um, okay, but you know, you're not. No one's going to take send you to jail for it. But it is. <laughs> right back to that fine line we talked. It's about. stressful. Yeah, you're knocking on someone's door in the middle of their day, and you just you don't want to be a burden. And yeah, it's, it's terrifying. Even all the years I did it in commercial real estate, the first couple doors I knocked on in Charleston all over again, it was you know my heart was racing, and it's just yeah, it's scary. I know you've talked about sort of, you know, you mentioned canvassing, uh, just in chatting with you, I know that you've done sort of a version of that here for your business, but also kind of digitally and just sending out, you know, hundreds of random messages to folks you think might be interested and that has paid off for you, right? For sure. So I've done paid Instagram ads and okay. it's not just a huge net. I've okay. sort of done my research and figured out which people might be the the most likely okay. to be the decision maker at least. So let's dial into that for a second. We've only got a few more minutes, but I know every day folks are asking me, or at least a few times a week, whether it's in our community business academy or it's you know through the director of that program and she relays these questions or it's at a workshop of ours that we set up at LLF, 
business owners want to know like the secret magic formula of marketing, right? Like who doesn't? Everyone wants sort of a silver bullet solution, but if they can get a little more strategic with how they're spending some limited number of resources on Facebook, Instagram ads, how can they do it? I would just try and think about how you would feel being approached by certain specific things, right? Mm. So for me at 21, if someone had asked me if I wanted to buy a dining room table, I would be like, you're completely wasting your time. Sure. But at 31, you know, sort of settling down a little bit, have a home. It's, it's a much more welcomed, you know, cold call. Right. Yeah. Right. So just, you know, and it might be the opposite age wise for whatever your product is, you know, a younger demographic might sure. be better suited to reach out to it all depends on what you're doing. Okay. So I would try and think about, you know, putting the shoe on the other foot and would this be relevant to you or not? And if not, who would it be? Love it. So imagine sort of the persona of your customer, right? But really think about it down to the age and the lived experience and then plug that right into whatever, you know, program, Facebook ads manager, whatever the case may be. And they'll, yeah. they'll give you the opportunity to do that. Absolutely. So I, and can you do it with a small amount of money? Um, I would say this, this is starting to sound like a Facebook ad. I swear to God, I don't get any money if, if you use Facebook ads or not, they are beneficial, but you have to spend, spend a serious amount of money. Okay. I would say at least a hundred dollars per ad, which when you're selling a big ticket item, isn't necessarily that scary, mm -hmm. but if you're selling, you know, things that don't sell for as large of a price, it is, it is daunting, but there are other creative ways to get around it. Like there are groups of people specifically made that are moving to this area. Mm -hmm. So there are certain services that are relevant to right. those people. Right. And there are different subsets of Facebook groups for all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So you just need to find what works for your There's local media outlets as well, right? It all comes back yeah. to local, right? Absolutely. It's pay to play if you use these big, you know, corporate, uh, you know, platforms and that's all well and good. But there, there's also an ability to, with a little bit of strategy and foresight, think about breaking into those local circles, whether it's, you know, Post and Courier or, you know, a, a local trade uh, publication, uh, digital or otherwise, or it's linking up with, uh, you know, our organization that supports local independent businesses. I happen to be associated with one, but there are others out there, I hear, um, not always with the local independent focus, but business associations are a great place for a business owner to, uh, you know, explore. We've got just about 10 seconds left, Mike. Is there anything else that you'd like to share about Griffith Acres Furniture or what you're doing here in the low country? I am just um, happy to be in in the Charleston area. Um, everyone's been great. I love living down here. People are nice, which is weird. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm excited to, to to live here and start a family here and call it home and you got you got a business so everything's falling into place this has been mike mccluskey griffith acres furniture a fantastic member of low country local first and an awesome local business here in the low country of south carolina i'm steve fletcher your host of small talks big ideas we will see you all in a couple weeks thanks for tuning in